friends, you're tuning in to the Between the Covers podcast. We're so excited to have you and we hope you're having a good day so far. We have just a couple things uh, to kind of give the lay of the land like we always do. We are going to do a random conversation card and then we'll hop into good news of the week. And then we are going into part one discussion of Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Super excited to start this book. We've only read one part, so we don't know anything more, but it's been pretty revolutionary so far, I think. And so let's start out with the conversation card. The card today is, what is one thing that doesn't cost anything? Occurs naturally, but it always makes you smile. I'll go first because I, I saw it. Um, one thing that occurs naturally and doesn't cost anything that makes me smile. I have two, but I'm going to say I only say one. It's between the covers. Aww. It just, I know, That's it's sweet. like a naturally occurring community. And it always makes me smile, like even on my bad Mondays that I don't want to go into an in-person meeting or even when we have to record the podcast and it's a hectic day. Um, I always tell myself that like I will leave the meeting or leave the podcast recording so grateful and it just always brings joy to my week. And yeah, that's mine. Well, that's a tough act to follow. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, but hey, everyone, it's Brie. Mine, the first thing that just came to my mind, so I'm just going to go with it, is old people holding hands. I don't know why, but like all y'all's reactions, I feel like you agree. Um, I just really love old people showing PDA. I think it's so cute. I love that. That's adorable. Okay, hi, this is Emily. The first thing I thought of is seeing little animals in nature. <laughs> like, I don't know, we've been going on the lake a lot and just seeing the little turtles hanging out and sometimes they pop their head above water and I think it's really cute. Makes you smile. It's a good one. I like it too. Clementine likes that. Clementine, my dog, except then she'll try to eat them. Um, so less cute, still kind of cute. <laughs> hi, this is Sarah. First thing that came to my mind, of course, was uh, a sunrise. But I'm going to go ahead and say a really good stretch. Totally free. It's like the closest thing you can get to a sober high. I love it so much. I need a good stretch. <laughs> That's so funny you said that, Sarah, because, you know, like sitting all day in quarantine and like hunching over, I've been practicing yoga more than normal um but even today I didn't do like a yoga class I just got out my yoga mat and stretched just like how you do when you wake up in the morning but I did it at like five o'clock and I literally told Alex go get your yoga mat you have to stretch it literally feels like a mini orgasm no it literally does I before quarantine I was taking this hour 15 minute heated yin class I miss my yoga teacher, Annie Ness. I miss her so much. And I would feel <laughs> high during the yoga class. Stretching, the best thing. 
I love that. I thought, I mean, Emily, you kind of said like nature by the turtles, but I thought for sure someone would be like a hike or like y'all gave really good ones. I, I wasn't expecting those. Okay. So what is the good news of the week? Okay. So I have this week um, and we were mentioning, I think it was someone, one of our favorite things. It might've been mine, <laughs> Um, but following good news or like uplifting Instagram, um, what are they called? Profiles. Accounts. Yeah. Yeah. So this one is good news underscore movement. And they posted this the other day. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, but Luciana Lira is a bilingual teacher at Samford elementary school in Connecticut. And one of her students' mothers called, uh, I guess the student's name is Zoli, and their whole family has COVID. And she has this uh, preemie, like a little baby, and she could barely like even speak. She just needed someone to take the baby in while they all try to recover for, uh, from COVID. And literally the first person, or I guess the, her the person she trusted most was her elementary student or her elementary kids teacher. And so this teacher took in this little baby, a a premature baby and babysat until the whole family healed from COVID and everyone's doing well, but it just like put it in perspective. Our teachers are such heroes for so much more than they do outside of the classroom or inside of the classroom. They're, they go above and beyond. I feel like we always hear about teachers going to soccer games or just extracurriculars, buying supplies. So shout out to all of our teachers. They're the real MVPs out here. Yeah, no, I love that. Like, And I think all of us probably had like a monumental teacher in our lives. Like, I don't know if y'all did. Maybe that's just I me because I definitely yeah. had some teachers that like impacted me and made me who I am today. And yeah, they play such a bigger role than just like knowledge in the classroom. Yeah, definitely. I I wonder how long she babysat the preemie for. Like what? That's amazing. And she was still doing her job. Right. Um, It doesn't say how long, but she said in a split second, she just said, yes, absolutely. I will take care of your baby. Just emotionally nurtured the little baby. I just love that. Like, what a selfless thing to do. Mm-hmm. Especially because she was, the baby was also in a family that all had COVID. So she's even still putting herself at risk, not only accepting the preemie. Mm-hmm. That's so, that's so great. And that almost goes back to Emily, what you were saying on the last podcast of like, um, unintentional ways of like, being kind like it doesn't always have to be like monetary you can be kind in other ways and like this is a great example of being kind in that way yeah great point i love it okay are y'all ready to dive into untamed oh yeah let's do it awesome okay so for our listeners untamed is a memoir it is kind of set out so far part one and I'm, I'm assuming she writes the rest of the book this way but each chapter is a theme 
And it's all, it's really funny because like the short chapters kind of remind me of like Instagram. Like I almost get like serotonin hits because I'm like done, done, cool, cool. And I just like keep going. It's kind of interesting. I've never read a book that has such short chapters. What about, what did y'all think about that? I love it too. It was cool. It reminded me I'm reading A Movable Feast right now and uh, Hemingway's book is set up a lot like that too with really short chapters that kind of not related to each other. Just, you know, a little vignette here and a little vignette of Paris there. Uh, but instead of Paris, we're getting uh, Glenn and Doyle's life experiences. It was interesting reading those two books at the same time. Also, if you guys have ever read um, Oprah Winfrey's What I Know For Sure, have any of you read that? No. 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 Okay, you... I'm going to purchase it for all of y'all to read and any listeners, if you've read it, it's very similar. So each, each chapter is a very short, it's like wisdom, knowledge, just different little that kind of like untamed is, but it's really good. Yeah. And I also like untamed because it's like, you can pick it up and read it like wherever it's, you are following a story of her life in a, since but like I could go multiple days without reading the book pick it up and almost start fresh every time and it's, it's kind of refreshing especially in the pandemic that we're in like I it's refreshing to like always feel like you know what's going on and you're not like oh I need to go back and like look what just happened the first question we're going to start from the very beginning in the prologue Glennon sets up this book talking about her family is at the zoo and they are watching this cheetah run and they're Glennon's kind of watching the whole dynamic of like, how are they going to let this cheetah out and it run, you know, whatever, 50 miles per hour. But she sees this Labrador. I think her name was Millie or something. The Labrador comes out and you know, the speaker at the zoo is trying to explain the dynamics of the cheetah and the Labrador and how the Labrador shows the cheetah how to act. And the cheetah watches the Labrador run after this pink stuffed animal and she sees how kind the Labrador is. So when they release the cheetah, the cheetah mimics the same activity that the Labrador just did. And my question to y'all is, what do y'all think about this metaphor kind of going back to how the cheetah was caged and being shown how to act to women being caged and showing like how we need to act? What do y'all think about this? I mean, I thought the cage was an interesting metaphor. I don't, I mean, I definitely think that women are filtered, like whether we filter ourselves or other people filter us, but the cage was interesting. Yeah, that's a good question. And as I read all two and a half pages of it, I was like, what is Maddie going to ask here? And (laughs) I, I think it's super interesting. And I don't, I firmly believe that you can play both roles, but there are definitely the cheetahs and the, and the labs in 
areas of life, uh, especially as women. And so when I first read it, I was like, am I being a lab or am I being a cheetah? Am I just playing the role or am I leading by example? I thought it was super interesting. That's a great point. Yeah. And if we're going off the lab and the cheetah metaphor, I think over the course of your life, there's, if you're the cheetah, there's a lot of different labs starting when you're little comes from the movies you watch, the TV you consume, even just different things that are passed down generationally from your grandma, from your mom, and you just accept it and don't question it because you're a kid and this is your mom and why should you? And I I think it's an interesting metaphor. Yeah. I kind of agree with Emily. I didn't, like, I don't know. Women being caged was a little too far for me. I, I feel... There's like a lot of women, maybe not like the mass population, but there's a lot of women that are like following what they want to do and like they're not necessarily caged in. But I did think like, oh, am I following my intuition? Like, is the cheetah following its intuition or is it following what the Labrador is doing? We all know that cheetahs are not meant to be like, in that situation and it's the cheetah is not following its natural intuition. It's been trained to follow the lab, but I, I definitely thought, man, am, is, am I following my own intuition or is this like a, my mindset or like that things that have been passed down, like Sarah said that I'm following. And Maddie, like you said, I think right now at this time, women are more open to pursuing their dreams, but I think our mothers and our grandmothers, generations before us, I think the cage metaphor would resonate with that those generations more. Completely. Um, and if, not to say it doesn't resonate with our generation, but because we're fi- right now we're at a time where we can talk about our intuition and passion and dreams, and we can say, actually, I don't want to do the traditional Thing. I want to do my own thing. And you're, we're actually having conversations about what we want instead of just following what someone else thinks we should do. Yeah. I really liked how she was like in the mind of the cheetah and she makes, she believes like the cheetah may be saying, I should be grateful. I have a good enough life. It's crazy to long for what doesn't even exist. And so how often we believe that lie of, oh, well, I didn't get the promotion against my male colleague, but I should be grateful I have a job. No, like you deserve it. Go out there and get it and work hard and hustle. But believing that it's okay to be complacent because of circumstances. So interesting take, interesting that she brought that to the cheetah of just being okay where you're at and giving her an out to be like, no, go for it. Live your craziest dream. And I think the cage metaphor could also be about your current circumstances. You have children, you have a job, you have these expectations to fulfill. So those things can act like a cage and keep you from escaping. And well, I can't, I can't leave because X, Y, and Z. 
That's such a good point. Yeah, it's not always like society caging you. Like it can also be the situation you're in totally. And even Glennon, you know, feels like that. Like we learn in part one, her husband, you know, has cheated on her and she's going through therapy and, and she does all this Google searching of like, how do I leave my husband when he's not a good husband to me, but he's a great father to my children. And so, yeah, that, that is his sense of like caged of like, what, what can I do? Maddie, just touching on something you said earlier, I kind of do feel like women are largely still in a cage. And a lot of my work experiences have been one of the only women in the room working in a pretty male dominated industry and in there with mostly men, there's a lot of ground still left to cover in terms of what women are able to do and allowed to do, we've come really far. We still have a really far way to go. And I like that Lennon isn't just saying, oh, yep, claps for us. You know, here we are. We're at the top. We made it. Everything's great. I do like that she's saying, okay, this cage is still here. And we are in it. We don't know it. I love that. And then, so my next question is, we kind of learned throughout the chapters in part one that Glennon is having to make some huge changes in her life. And like, she's looking at her faith. She's looking at her friendship. She's working. She's looking at her sexuality. I mean, her entire life is being questioned and she kind of has this question to herself. How much of this was my idea do I truly want any of this or is this what I was conditioned to want? My question to y'all is how much do you think one's decision-making is based on other people's expectations? How much of it is based in that? For me, I mean, I'm just speaking from experience, a large majority of it. I mean, especially when I was younger, this question reminds me of uh, the topic we brought up with educated of when you're raised in an environment how that impacts you it just reminds me of that question i agree with you and obviously speaking personally i am a people pleaser to a fault where it becomes unhealthy and definitely grown out of it the older I get, but I still see a lot of instances where I'm agreeing to things that I absolutely don't want to be doing or I'm volunteering on like, like for instance, projects at work where maybe I'm not as passionate about that project, but I just don't want to tell that person no. So it definitely goes back and forth. Especially, I don't know if you guys think just as women, there's just another level of wanting to just play the part. And is it because of our culture or like Emily said, our our family, our friend influence, all of that? What do y'all think the balance is? Like, obviously, it's great to get advice from others and perspective on situations. So what does balance look like? I think it has to do more with alignment. Like if someone's expectations of you are not aligned at all with your interest and what you want to pursue, 
then you should in no circumstance pursue that because you're just doing something someone else wants you to do and you have no passion behind it and it doesn't fulfill you. Right. Because alignment is a huge part of this, but like you said, Emily, you have to know what you want. And a lot of people that are seeking advice don't know exactly what their dreams or their goals or what they want. And so they get molded into this idea of like all these people's advice, like, oh, this is, yeah, you're right. This is what I want. And it's like, really, we have to start inward and like decide what we want before. I think that's the balance. Like we as women need to know what we want before seeking advice from others so they can't mold our wants for us. Totally. That's something that I struggled with a lot in my life is figuring out what I want. Because reflecting on that question here, my, my knee-jerk reaction is to say, well, no, I don't want to consider anyone's expectations at all in my decision-making. Because to a large degree, I don't. I'm not a people-pleaser I, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I can be. I love that about you. (laughs) Thank you. But the figuring out what you want part, that's something that I've just, just come upon. I don't know if it was here. I was talking about dominoes, figuring out what your largest domino is. It was me. Okay. It's hard to figure out what that thing is that you're going to focus on or, what's um what you actually do want so I think that's that's the most important thing that isn't talked about enough is figuring out truly what you want to do or maybe it's not talked about in a way that people understand it because I know in college everyone says okay just pick the major you're passionate about pick what you love then decide what you want to do and it's so much harder (laughs) than you think it's going to be it's so much easier said than done Uh, that was that was good no it is so hard to figure that out what is some advice like for people listening like I mean honestly I don't even have it figured out so no I don't either where do you start um something that my company does is you for yourself you write a mission statement Mm -hmm. for yourself like what is your mission statement if you could sum it all up, what what is it? So just, I mean, this isn't something that you're like, oh, let me write it down really quick. It's something you really need to think about. And it, it kind of goes back to with like leaving your mark on the world. So, you know, if you had an endless amount of money, like money wasn't an issue, what would you do with all of that money? So instead of thinking like, oh, well, I can't, I really like this, but I'm I'm not going to make money on it. Just not, not bringing money into the picture. Maybe just starting there. I love that. That's huge. That's actually some advice from one of my favorite professors. Another thing that just, I just remembered this now, one of my internships, and it was a cool internship program, brought in a life coach one day and they have us partner up and think about the three experiences where we felt the best in our lives. So like the three times you felt like at your best, fully like firing on all cylinders, just feeling amazing. And then tell that to your partner and then your partner will pull out 
the string that connects all three of those. So, okay, you like this because of this, this, and this. And for me, it was always performing. It's like my 18th birthday when I was golden girl of the week on girl team. And they called out my name. Yay, it was my name in lights. Another time was this awesome karaoke experience. And then I'm forgetting the third right now, but it kind of helped me put together the pieces of, okay, this is what makes me feel alive. This is what lights me up inside. This is what I should pursue in my life. But haven't listened to it yet. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to do that tonight. Yeah, it's cool. While you guys were talking about it for at first, and it's funny, Maddie, that you asked it the whole time I was thinking, well, I wonder what they want. Cause maybe I want that too. And <laughs> then I'm like thinking to myself, like uh, you literally, that's the not the point to not do. So mm-hmm. advice is, you don't want the, what everyone else wants. You just got to figure it out for yourself. It's so hard though, because I am, I get inspiration from so many people, different art, like films, music, all these different sources. So it's hard for me not to get so obsessed with my inspiration that I think I want that and yes. kind of bring myself back in. Yes, no, literally same thing because I'm like a sponge and I'll just soak up whatever I'm listening to or whatever I'm watching. Like if I read too many Brené Brown books or if I'm watching too many Netflix specials, anything's easy from the couch. (laughs) The world of the hypothetical, but I feel you so hard on that one, Emily. Also, I think like we have like, conscience and I don't know like the voice in your head like if it's God or whatever that is but definitely like guiding you towards something that you might want but then like the human or society or situation that you're in might tell you that that's not doable so like the perfect example is book club like I set on the idea of joining a book club or starting a book club for two months it was just like a reoccurring thought like you should start that book club like I wouldn't have solid friends and I would hear this thought you should start that book club I would have friends come to me about loneliness and I would it would be like you should start that book club and I kept suppressing it and suppressing it like that's embarrassing nobody does book clubs only older women do book clubs like our age doesn't do that and finally I just like gave into the idea and pursued it and then like now look it's like grown and I think all everyone even men have this calling that they don't pursue because of the cage and I'm like using quotation marks I know the podcast listeners can't see that but the cage they're in and I just encourage anyone that's like listening and y'all that if y'all have a dream and y'all are having this reoccurring thought over and over again, it's probably a sign that it's like time to do it and not ignore the thought. Okay. My question on this topic is what is something that y'all currently, I don't want to say believe, but maybe have been conditioned to believe that y'all want to kind of take a step back and figure out is this something that you truly like believe in 
well, if you want to get really existential with it, existential, like I'm not good enough. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's the big one. That's a really big one. We, we all, we all cringe. We all lean back. <laughs> I mean, cause that, that's just the umbrella for all the other little ones. Or yeah, I'm not good enough also falls in the line with like what I, I think I'm programmed or like this wasn't my parents or my teachers. Like, I don't know what programmed this, but like other people have done it. You're too late to the scene. Move on. Like, and that's, I was on a podcast last week for this soul business podcast and she interviews people that are starting up businesses and she made such a good point that like your story needs to be heard and it doesn't matter how many other stories are out there it needs to be heard like yours specifically and I feel like that goes to all of us like Sarah your music needs to be heard Brie your business entrepreneurship that you like do needs to be like learned and heard and Emily your photography like all of that needs to be seen and heard but we just tell each tell ourselves that it's too late or I'm not good enough totally and that's like I've spent I've spent so many hours of my life looking at other photographers portfolios and Instagram pages and I look at their follower counts and what they're doing and that time and energy I could have put into my own portfolio and my own photo shoots. So I just have to, I got, just have to learn from that, but. Yeah. Wow. I could go on and on about this topic, right? Like comparison is the thief of joy. Like not only are you wasting your time, but you are wasting your energy and your thought process and your own creativity because like, Oh gosh, guys, I could like get so heated up on this topic because this is why I truly feel women specifically aren't going after their dreams because they feel like they're not good enough. You're totally right. And I've seen some statistic that, women when we're applying for jobs make ourselves fit 100% of the criteria and men definitely don't do that and I've started applying for jobs where I fit like oh, 30% eh, that's good maybe 40 can make up the rest I can make up the 60% no but we are definitely not going after our dreams in the same way too and I think Marie Forleo says that you can over research something the research can turn into procrastination and it's almost like you're looking over the edge of the cliff and not jumping. And the longer you stand there and you look over the edge, the less likely it is that you're going to jump. So you might as well just jump. And this isn't a cliff diving, no rocks at the bottom situation. So true. Yeah. Speaking of Marie Folio um, and job searching, she's hiring right now. And I applied. Oh. And yeah, I know. I mean, she's specifically looking for someone that is in the Pacific Coast time. It is remote, mm -hmm. but she's looking for someone that's in the Pacific Coast. So, like, still a long shot, but, like, whatever. Be great to hear back. And I'm putting it in the universe that I am going to hear back. So, that's just going to happen. But same thing, right? I did not meet 100% of the criteria. And at the very end of her, like, job description webpage, she said... 
to learn more about our company, click the how we roll page. And I started reading about the company and it was like, you don't need to fit a hundred percent of the job description. We just want awesome people that are passionate, that are going to work hard and love what they do. So if that means you only fit 60%, we rather have you in our doors and working for our company than someone that does fit the hundred percent, but they're not passionate about their career. And I, I just thought, man, like we always try and like level up and try and have like the hundred percent criteria, but like, really our hearts and our passion is you can learn anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just speaking on, on that. So we're going to go to the chapter um, called tick marks. It's on the start of page 17, but I'm specifically reading from the middle paragraph on 18. And I'm, I'm going to read it real quick. It's kind of long, but I'm going to go for it. I am not golden, but the golden one's light reflects on me just often enough that I am teamed. They invite me to their parties occasionally and I go. But when I get there, they don't talk to me much. I assume I'm there because they need some ungold around in order to feel their goldness. Goldness requires contrast. So when they stand in circles at football games, they let me join their circle, but they don't talk to me there either. I feel terribly uncomfortable, left out, and ridiculous in those circles. I remind myself that what is really happening in the circle doesn't matter. What matters is what people outside of the circle perceive to be happening there. What matters is not what is real, but what I can convince others is real. What matters is not how I feel inside, but how I appear to feel on the outside. How I appear to feel will determine how others feel about me. What matters is how often how others feel about me. So I act like someone who feels golden. Right, my drop. So, and just a little uh, backstory. This chapter is talking about when Glennon is in high school and she's talking about the golden circle of girls and boys that I think all of us experienced in our own high schools. And they are currently voting for homecoming court. So this is the story she's telling about trying to fit into the golden circle to try and make it on the homecoming court. My question here is, what does BTC need to do to not look like a golden circle? So this whole, that whole paragraph that you just read screamed social media to me, everything about it. So I think our, and what BTC is right now, just making sure that our conversations inside the group continue to be raw, unfiltered, messy, like not holding back and encouraging other girls to speak their truth and not try to put a filter over what they say or how they look when they come to a meeting and yeah, just encouraging raw conversations and being open about whether it's physical, emotional, or like spiritual, what you're going through. One thing I really, really love about 
BTC and obviously Madison, when anyone joins, you kind of give them the rundown of expectations and not rules. I'm doing air quotes and you made a big emphasis on like, this is not a gossip, like what stays in the group stays in the group. And to see that truly lived out, especially in our, our Austin group where women will actively be like, Hey, I think this is crossing a line and pivot or just casually. They don't like make it a scene or do anything to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but truly respect that and not be a gossip zone is super encouraging and also so rare, especially among 20 women who have a ton going on in their life. So not that I think, UTC needs to change into this, but that being such a cornerstone of the group is huge and continuing that across all groups nationally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that is a big stepping stone. And I, that this is like my worst fear, right? That someone lands on BTC's Instagram page and think that they're not good enough to join and, or that, oh, they don't look my type. Like this is like literally my worst fear that women hear about BTC and they think, oh, I have too many problems. Like I can't join that. Or they don't look like me or they don't, you know, they're not in the same industry or whatever it is. I I want to try and be as inclusive as possible. And yeah, I think gossip, the no gossip rule has helped a lot for sure because it's you feel welcomed when you're not talking crap about anyone you're like oh wow these people are really genuine when they're not talking crap about anyone but it's also a hard rule we have 500 members gossip is really easy it makes you feel good about yourself it's a lot easier to gossip than it is to bring up a positive conversation unfortunately so like we really are trying to change like woman culture and Mm -hmm. instead of competing with each other we're trying to have a sense of community with each other Mm -hmm. a lot of being in like the in group the golden group is gossiping and stepping on the out group and i think it is really special that's the first thing that came to mind too that we don't gossip and that is not our thing at all and i just love it i don't really have any critiques I feel I'm like, okay, I only have good things to say. <laughs> what? I do. If come up, I'll keep you posted, Maddie. Okay, thank you. Any critiques, just DM us. We're trying to be better. So, Sarah, <laughs> let me know when you have one. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to. I love that, too. And like you said, Maddie, gossiping is easy. And sitting down next to someone that you've hung out with three times or so and having a real conversation aka growing a friendship it's difficult it is yeah it's yeah and it's so much easier to be like insert gossip comment you know just to like get a conversation started but why is that the first thing that women not all women but why do we just default to that yeah and thinking back I'm the newest to the group been a couple months and just having 
real authentic conversations on the third time that I hung out with this group of strangers. Ultimately, I feel like you guys are some of my oldest, closest friends at this point. And it's because we just remove the bullshit and can have legitimate conversations that don't involve other people or about other people. So there's a lot of positive that just comes from that culture that I think is super unique and cool. It's hard to make friends as adults. So having, yes, taking that out, it's been, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good things. Yeah. Y'all are just so awesome. I love how so many women, like it's not just y'all, so many women praise BTC and like two things. One is just like a personal thing. Whenever I have like a new lead call with, a woman in a new city that wants to start a group in her city. I just feel so weird. Cause like, they're just like, this group sounds like y'all are high on life. And I'm like, yeah, we kind of are, but we're not. Cause we like have a lot of problems, but it's like therapy, but it's also like, we're soul sisters. Like we're all soul sisters. And they're just like, Oh my gosh. this girl. <laughs> like when we were at recharge and people were like, is this a cult? And we were like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, a girl band. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I. It's just funny because when you're talking to a stranger and you're saying like, it's so weird. I've met twenty people from Austin that I did not know what seven months ago, and now they are considered some of my closest friends, and even beyond that, like our souls are kind of like intertwined in a way. Like I know that if something bad happened, I could call any one of y'all in my group, anyone, all 20, I could call y'all and y'all would drop whatever y'all were doing and help immediately if I needed it. And that's like really rare from a group of strangers. Especially women. Especially women. Yeah. Okay. And then sticking on this chapter tick marks Glennon is trying to get on homecoming court and I am on the last paragraph of page 19 and she writes I rigged an election trying to be golden I spent 16 years with my head in a toilet trying to be light I drank myself numb for a decade trying to be pleasant I've giggled at and slept with assholes trying to be touchable I've held my tongue so hard I tasted blood, trying to be gentle. I spent thousands on potions and poisons trying to be youthful. I have denied myself for decades trying to be pure. So she actually rigs the election to get on homecoming court because she is actually counting the ballots. And I looked up the word rigged. Because like I think we all know what it means, but I wanted to hear the actual definition. And it's something that is fixed in a dishonest way to guarantee a desired outcome. And my question to y'all is, what are you manipulating in your life to guarantee a certain outcome? I know this is a hard one, and so there might be 30 seconds of silence, but... I want you to really think about what you may be manipulating to get a certain outcome. I mean, mine came to mind pretty immediately. I think so like Brie, I'm a people pleaser too. And 
I get along with a lot of people because I know how to like almost like manipulate myself and my personality like to fit in or like in my mind what I think fitting in is in that situation even if it's not 100% like my authentic self. Yeah, mine kind of plays off of that as well. I think mine is my social presence. I like posting my travels and weddings and friends' babies and things like that. Rarely do I show any bad days, which those happen too. So that's probably what I'm rigging up the most, just to throw off the reality that everything's fine and dandy. When maybe it's not. And Emily Bray, I, I actually I really don't think those are bad things, especially at work. You do kind of have to play the game. These are the people you're going to be spending eight plus hours a day with, and you do need to get along with them. So it kind of does need to be a little fake there. Because I, I found out the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it pays me a little bit, you know, just, just to play the game a little bit. And Bree, I... I don't know. Have you guys seen people post sad Instagram posts? Because I actually haven't seen that at all. I think it's more like this fact that I posted a photo of me in Thailand Mm -hmm. and I'm in a bathing suit and Mm -hmm. the way that I'm sitting kind of has a role. And the fact that I contemplated not posting that photo because Mm -hmm. I was like, well, my stomach's not flat. It was the way I was sitting like So I think just things like that, where I'm Mm -hmm. so caught up in image where Mm -hmm. I had the, like, that was one of my favorite highlights from that vacation. And the fact that I even considered not even sharing it with my friends and family, because I was worried that my cellulite would show or a Mm roll would show or whatever the case may be. So I think that's more, I do also see some people post it where, especially and maybe it's just a, a thing, but like my mom friends who are like, I'm having a bad mom day and here's the, my messy kitchen. Here's my kid covered in bruises. And so I admire that. I think it's cool and real and authentic. Is okay. that what you were asking, Sarah? That that does help me understand it. Like I, I think I've seen people post Instagram stories of them crying and that's that's a little that's a little far. I'm with that. Right. Yeah, it's such, a, it's such a fine line of being, like, mm-hmm. really being authentic. But if that is authentic and then – but, yeah, totally with the appearance, too. Like, today I actually did my makeup, so I was, like, taking a selfie. And I was just thinking, like, remember when you just would post a selfie? And now it's, like, an investigative, like, search for every blemish and wrinkle. And, like, oh, well, my eyelid is kind of folded. So I, like, delete immediately. Like, that cannot, that's not going to make the feed. Like, so ridiculous. Most of us get on Instagram for, like, a serotonin boost. So we, if you're not happy with your current situation or how you look, you want to look on Instagram and feel happy because other people look happy and they're in pretty places. So that makes me happy seeing those images. But then it's like also a negative loop of comparison and all of that. 
in the chapter gathering, so this is one of the last chapters of part one, she's talking about how her son has friends over in the movie room and there's a, a group of boys and a group of girls and Glennon wants to seem like the cool mom. So she peeks into the movie room and she asks, you know, are y'all hungry? And the boys just shouted out. Yes. They didn't look at one another. They looked inward. They all realized they were hungry and they said yes. But Glennon noticed the girl group was all kind of sitting in a circle they all kind of looked at each other, but didn't say anything. And then this appointed girl that just naturally stood up for the girl group said, no, thank you, that they're not hungry. And it, it's coming back to what, why are women relying on others to define if they're hungry or they're thirsty? Like, what do y'all think about this? What are some first thoughts of this story that y'all had? I honestly laughed because it still happens today. Like as she was telling the story, I was literally picturing in my head so many scenarios where we've looked left and right and are we hungry and like figured it out together. Yeah, so. no, we're we're good. We're good. <laughs> I first immediately thought the bathroom. Do you need to go to the bathroom? Oh, Me yeah, too. I do. Like, <laughs> you did not need to go to the, like, why didn't you just go to the bathroom on your own? But since I need to go to the bathroom, all the girls at the table need to go to the bathroom. You know, it's like a move that we all make, but it's like, and I understand there might be community in that and we might get to like put on our lip gloss and there might, there might be positive things about us taking bathroom breaks together. But that's the first thing I thought about because I can't tell y'all how many times I have asked other women, like, do you need to go to the bathroom? And they're like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, okay, let's go. It's like, okay, I really don't know your pee schedule. Like we're just at this point. I don't know. I, that's what I immediately thought of. Yeah. I think we're just scared to be individuals to rock the boat, to, um, from things as little as going to the bathroom to being the first woman to apply for that role or break that record, anything just because we want to fit in and just do what everyone else is do- does and not stand out. Yes, like be easy. Like I don't want to inconvenience anybody. Like, no, I'm okay. Like even though I'm parched. I'm okay. I don't need a drink. I'm good. (laughs) But this, I love this concept because I mean, even outside of BTC, I've read many and many self-development books. And I've, this is the first time I've ever heard this concept be brought up. And it really made me reflect on not just the, are we hungry decision, but like much bigger decisions where I was in a group of girls and there was like the leader girl who wasn't necessary was just appointed this leader role and we all followed whatever her opinion was. And if she didn't like this person, then we don't like this person, you know? So I think uh, I just, it made me reflect on so many moments and it starts so early. Yeah. Sarah, I feel like you're one of those women who say it, do it achieve it go for it like you're you're definitely the bold one 
Yeah, Sarah is the one that, like, when I'm at the table and I'm like, do you need to go to the bathroom? She's like, no. I just I don't. Sorry, bye. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, cool. But she definitely, Sarah, you're so good at, like, speaking your mind. Yeah, and I'm I'm so flattered that you would say that, too. And I I don't know if that's something that I've ever thought about. I've definitely felt kind of like an outsider pretty much my whole life. And um, I just that's just always been the most natural way for me to act. But like, as I've gotten older, I kind of have seen the value in going to the bathroom with the girls and just being part of a group too. It's kind of hard to strike that balance between, okay, do I want to do this because I want to do this or do I want to do this because it's what the group wants to do. And I think for a lot of my growing up, I was kind of a contrarian. So I would not do something just because the group wanted to do it, which that doesn't win you any friends. <laughs> so it's it's kind of hard figuring out, okay, yes, I do want to do this. But thank you. That's so that's so nice of you. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, Sarah, you definitely do things at your like own pace and you're not really a follower and we all look up to that um, quality of yours. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. Last question was that last chapter in part one. I I think it was the last chapter, but close to the end of part one is the story of Glennon meeting Abby for the first time. They were at an author's event and it was already kind of awkward. They were like mingling and we all know how that is. Like mingling with strangers is just freaking weird. And they were sitting at this like round table and Abby walks into the room and Glennon says every bone in her body just kind of said, there she is. And Glennon actually stood up and held her arms out wide in front of everyone. And I was actually listening to another podcast. There's a little bit more to that. So when she was standing with her arms wide open, looking at Abby, she thought like, oh shit, what what am I doing? What do I do with my arms? So she actually continued to bow. Like she like bowed to Abby with her arms wide open. Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Just thinking that like, maybe this was how, authors interacted with each other (laughs) and so then we all know that like Abby sat on it at another end of the room and they had this attraction all night and everyone felt it what did y'all think about that like what did y'all think about that chapter what do you think about like the feelings they had was it meant to be or I just wanted to hear y'all's thoughts on this I loved it. I mean, I, it definitely reminded me of times where, you know, when you meet someone, it makes you realize how wrong all the other people were for you, like as a partner, like as a partner. Um, and I definitely think she had that moment, like, because before she really had nothing else to compare her feelings to, like with her husband, um, until she sees Abby and then you know, she feels those feelings again and realizes like, oh no, that, that, that thing I have with my husband, like that was nothing compared to this. Yeah. How do y'all think meeting Abby changed everything for Glennon? 
I think when she was talking about when her husband admitted about his affairs and the, her first thought was, well, my storyline's ruined. Like this is not the plot I planned. So I'm sure meeting a woman, being a mother and kind of building this life that you've written about for years. And I, I'm sure that was just like a, what's actually going on moment. Um, I don't know. I think it was like the first time in her life, like if she wouldn't had met Abby, I don't think Untamed would have been a book. Like, I think it was like the first time that she realized, wait, what do I believe in? Like, what is my sexuality? What is my faith? What is my politics? What it like, have I been conditioned to think all of this? And she actually started like, looking inward and like finding things out for herself and that just like ended up unfolding in a lot of directions just not just her sexuality absolutely well awesome i look make excited to get into part two i it was hard for me to stop at part one honestly we're gonna end the podcast talking about highs and lows if you're a listener, you know that we like to end our podcast on the on the doing highs and lows. And we also do the this in our in-person groups. And so, yeah, we just say a high in our day or a high in our week. And if you have a low, you can say your low, but you don't always have to have a low. Does anyone want to go first? I'll go first. This is Emily. So um, my high is definitely that I'm getting back into my photography and I'm, you know, trying to be more vocal about it and talk with friends and try to set up shoots and just get some momentum going that that's what I feel right now is momentum. Um, So I'm just really inspired and looking forward to what's going to go on with that. Um, And my low is that, um, so for the past, like, however many weeks now, almost, almost two months, well, since we've been in quarantine, um, my boyfriend's sister and her husband actually were coming, um, they've been staying with us since they live in New York City, they didn't feel comfortable um, being at their apartment in New York City, so they have been staying with us here, and today's their last day here. So I'm kind of emotional about it because we've just really gotten to know each other and we've gotten really close and had a lot of fun. Um, and today's their last day. So I'm, yeah. I'm sad, but I'm really grateful of, about all the memories we've created and it's, been, it's made quarantine fun for us. That's, I know. <laughs> this is life. Jasper thinks so too. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that you got to know his sister so well. I So my boyfriend has three older sisters and they're by far the most intimidating people I've ever met in my life. They're now all my best friends, but having that like concentrated time to really get to know the sisters, like that's a rare moment. It's I'm, I'm really grateful that not only her, but her husband as well. Like they're just so awesome. And, you know, to call them family in the future, 
that's kind of where we're heading. So yeah, I'm really grateful to have them. Yeah, that's awesome. I know you're sad that they're leaving, but super blessed that you had the time. Totally. Um, I'll go next. I was actually debating on whether to share it because it's just so early on. Um, but started the home buying process. Obviously, the Austin market super competitive. I think I shared. I made like a couple offers and got beat out by like $50,000 or just straight cash. So um, finally made an offer and it was accepted. And so there's definitely a long process ahead before signing a contract, but it's just really exciting. And um, I have been like working really hard. I was extremely picky about where I wanted to live and didn't want to compromise on that. And so, um, yeah, all good things. So I, I wouldn't even call it a low, but I'm just nervous. And everyone tells me that's normal and just keep rolling with it. Uh, so more to come. TBD could be a total bust. And I think that will be a blessing too, but. It'll be a fun ride. Keep us updated for sure. We'll post photos and everything. Big party. Yeah. Freedom party after quarantine. New house. Can't yeah. wait. With my air fryer. With yeah. the air fryer. Emily will bring the paddle boards. <laughs> Sarah, what's yours? Um been thinking about it it's nothing really too concrete I've been feeling pretty creative with all of this dead time but I've been really frustrated because I can't really play any instruments so I've been trying to teach myself how to play those and I've really liked creating things like I've talked about in other weeks like baking except I'm really disappointed right now because the sourdough I made yesterday did not rise all the way to the top and it was overproofed again. And then I overproofed some olive bread too. So I'm frustrated about that, but that's anyway, the creating things has been really fun lately. I guess for a low, the quarantines kind of, it, it does interesting things to people and relationships. And it got in a little like quarantine related tiff. but I've been doing a lot of self-reflection and a lot of journaling and I was able to not get angry and, you know, able to, I was able to understand, okay, you know, this isn't about me. I'm just going to move through it. But, you know, just figuring things out. It's been a weird time. This is my fourth week without a normal schedule. And it's starting to feel like normal life, but I know that it's not going to be normal life. So I'm not sure whether or not to embrace it. Mm -hmm. A lot of thoughts going on over here. That's it for me. Yeah, same. I think I'm going to start with my low first because I want to end on my high. My low was definitely Alex getting let go from his job. That just definitely kind of shook up the household. Now both of us don't have um, reoccurring salary payments coming in. So it's just a little nerve wracking and, you know, the uncertainty can like eat at you. Um, but the high is that we're not letting uncertainty eat at us and we're going to Montana. We are taking a road trip. We plan to leave on Saturday morning 
And for all of our listeners, my brother lives in Montana. It's not like we're just driving to Montana for, even though it is going to be fun, but Aaron lives there. And so we get to be with Aaron. We haven't seen Aaron in two years. And so we're super excited to be with him. How far is that drive? 24 hours. Exactly. One day. Oh, yeah. So we're stopping. So we're driving 16 hours to Colorado Springs, tent camping there for the night, and then booking it to Montana. And it's only like like 13 hours after that, which isn't too bad. And then we're talking about just trying to do our best getting home without stopping. I don't know how that's going to work, but we'll, we'll most likely stop in Santa Fe and see Nicole. So we're just taking like basically driving up to Canada. I mean, big, big sky is only an hour away from Canada. So literally going that far north. <laughs> wow. That'll yeah. be a fun ride. What do you, is it, do you just take I-35 all the way? Oh, I don't know. the. I'm so bad at roads. Like I literally don't even know the highway outside of my apartment. I think it's 35. Then Alex is like, that's the one. And I'm like, I swear that's not the one. So I really don't know roads, but like we go through like Amarillo, Denver, Mm -hmm. like straight, straight up. Fast Catholic Ranch and all that. Yep. Yeah. And then through Fort Collins, then we go through Wyoming and then we're in Montana. So we're really excited. It's like, perfect weather there in the 60s like in the nights in the 30s so it's a little cold at night it snowed yesterday so Aaron's like make sure you have snow gear and so that's exciting I know and so we have all of that ready and yeah even yesterday he like saw a bear outside of his house and I was like oh my god we're finally gonna see grizzlies like I've been a bear in nature for so long and we've been to Canada Call it, like we've been everywhere and I've never seen a bear. And so I'm hoping that I see one. I hope you do too. When you see a bear inside of the cabin, it's all good. It's all fine. <laughs> I don't see a bear in the woods. I'm not into that. I read Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods and mm-mm, that put the fear of God in me. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be so scared to see a bear in nature, but we are going to have Jasper with us. And that oh. just freaks me out. Like, I don't know. That just freaks me out, and I don't want to see a bear and be on a hike with Jasper. I don't know. It's like I think I could get away faster than Jasper. But... And Jasper is Maddie's dog for everyone listening. Yeah, That's good. That's yeah, not, yeah, not a child. <laughs> not a child. It's my dog. Little boxer. Well, awesome. I'm so excited to dive into part two. Thanks for tuning into part one. Everyone say bye to our listeners. We hope you have a good week and keep on moving. We're in the middle of Movement May. We're killing our record of hours. And so keep on exercising, keep on drinking water and moving throughout your day. Y'all are all doing great and we love you. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody.